Alright, what is up everybody? Welcome back to the We Are Board Podcast, episode number 9. We're almost at double digits, and of course, it's still October, so it's still spooky season, which means we're going to be doing something super spooky, haunting a Hill house. So, yeah, we, got a, we got a different kind of style to, for today, uh, in terms of the like TV show movie. Um, like I don't know, we're just going to see if this works out. It's going to be less, like, scene by scene, so hopefully it isn't as, like, you know, monogamous for you guys. But with that being said, we're going to start with the news, of course. So our first piece of news is that Batman is taking place in 2019. Uh, you said that just before we started recording that it was, you, you saw the I think it was supposed to be, I don't know when it was, but I know it was like 1900s era. It was originally supposed to be taking place, I heard. Oh, that was probably just rumored from people. Or it could have been referring to the Bat Fleck movie that he was going to make before. He dropped out. Next up here. Um, so we're supposedly going to get Spider-Man 3 footage by December of this year. Uh, obviously, it's recording. Or not recording. Um, it's recording. Filming right now. If you didn't hear, we'll talk about that in a, in a second. So that's exciting, but that's kind of crazy that the movie literally we're gonna get a like teaser for this movie when this one before it came out would be only like a year ago or like a year and a couple months. It's a uh, quick turnaround time for Spider-Man. It makes sense though. Next up here, this one's pretty big. So like. There was, there's been more now. Now there's a Wonder Woman that was spotted and a cheetah that was spotted, but also a Superman. They were all spotted in like Halloween costumes on the set of Batman. So like people in like Halloween costumes for Superman, Wonder Woman, and then Cheetah. Cheetah's the villain in <laughs> Wonder Woman 84, by the way. And then uh, also there's like, I don't know where it's from, but I saw a little clipping of a newspaper. And so Metropolis is in this universe. Nah. Alright, I don't know about the newspaper thing, but really quickly, I'm not, I don't, I don't even care if it's Halloween costumes or anything, I don't want them to do anything with this universe. Yeah, I don't want them to be in it either. For Halloween costumes, I don't care. I hope it's just like a little movie thing. Yeah. Like, like, like the su- those superheroes aren't real in this universe, they're just from movies or something Yeah, like because that. like, they don't know if Batman is like, mm-hmm. or yeah, they're like fictional characters in that universe because mm-hmm. they think Batman may have like powers, or like superheroes are real, like fictional characters, so... Then when there's this Batman that comes along, who may or may not like so people may think he teleports because he like blends in with the night or whatever, they come up with these characters like Superman and Wonder Woman. That'd be cool. Mm-hmm. But, I'd, I'd prefer that so much more than like them being in that. Trying to do another like DCEU. I don't think they are. I think it's just supposed to be like a subtle nod. I just don't really care for it. Not too subtle though. Yeah, <laughs> it's a nod for sure. Yeah, I don't think it's gonna be. Next up, this. It isn't true, I don't think. Um, so, a verified account on Twitter said that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield officially signed. Um, but this news account has been known for giving false information. It like give pretty, or they give like rumors. They say they're confirmed before them. They're either confor- confirmed or denied, so that they can say that they get them early. And then if they don't get them right, they just don't talk about it. So they've done this before. I forget with what, but like 
they said John Krasinski was in something that he wasn't in, and just stuff like that. So, I, I could see Andrew Garfield wanting to come back as Spider Man. I don't know if Tobey Maguire would want to though. He does, but I think he would. He hasn't done much, and I think that like they were gonna do Spider Man four. I don't think his. I think he has character had places to go, and so since he's kind of a character actor now, I feel that he would be like, yeah, like if if the movie is ending off his arc. Or something like that, if he thinks it's good. And then Garfield. Actually, Garfield's one, I think, would be less of a chance because he and Sony ended up on absolutely horrid terms. Well, it was just because he didn't show up to a ball or something like that. No, he didn't show up to, like, a panel. No, I, th- I thought it was a ball. Like, uh, it was it was a party or something like that, and the Sony people took it really offensive. Like, they really took it as disrespectful. That's what I heard. Maybe. Yeah, it was either... I think it was the CEO. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, why. I took it. It is pretty... I mean, if you're, like, Sony's number one star and you don't show up to the CEOs, I can partially get why he did it. I definitely understand why Sony fired him. That's just... I mean, it's it's their work. Mm-hmm. It's like not showing up to work. And you, you're not, you get fired. That's just how it works. Um, so, yeah, but I do see them coming. I I think they're going to come back. I don't know. I'm, I don't want to get my hopes up too much, though. So... Uh, then we have a potential, you guys can't see it, but it's like a potential first look at the, oh, yeah, it's on the Riddler. He has like a, a hood on and green, or, then he has like circle glasses, but there's like green. I'm pretty sure he actually wouldn't have like green, mm-hmm. but it, and then like a green mask. I don't know. I hope that's it's not very it. different. No. It doesn't look good. I like, I like the like one that everyone, I mean that one. I don't feel like they're gonna go with that route either, though, because I don't. Think, oh no! Yeah, because. But I don't know. I just. <laughs> Part of me doesn't think that's it, though, because. That just well, doesn't like look like it matches what he was wearing in the trailer. I think they're gonna go with more of like the plague doctor mask, or yeah, I, 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 I or oh, not plague doctor, like the gas mask that they mm-hmm. wore in like World War Two. And then. Plague doctor look would would look stupid. Yeah, to, like, for like, the Riddler, some... they look cool, but for the Riddler, they look really dope. Yeah. Sometimes you'll get toys that, like, spot on, and then you're like... But then half the time you don't, so you never really can yeah. even listen. And then this isn't a toy. This is, like, a Mountain Dew can or like, bottle. Just add the green to, like, because it's, like, yeah. green, you know? Just, yeah. So, it could be real. If you're wondering, go on Instagram, look up Comic Capital. It's one of his most recent posts, so if you want to find it, look on there. Uh, next up, we have Black Adam casting. Sarah Sahi, I think that's how you say it, has been cast as Isis in D- DCEU's Black Adam. I don't know this character. I don't, I don't really know. Really I don't know the actress or the character at all. So, cool, I guess. I mean, this Black Adam is looking really interesting. They're definitely setting up Dwayne uh, Johnson to take over the DCEU. Yeah, because I don't know if Henry Cavill is, he's, I mean... He signed on to do four more movies. Yeah, but is that to wrap it up? Does he? I don't know, because, like... He's setting Supergirl up. Yeah, because they canceled that. But I think didn't... Oh, I don't know if the show got canceled or they, like... They ended it on their own terms, but genuinely, what I was thinking was, like, if they're going to set up Supergirl on the DCEU... In the uh, CW verse, they had to kill off their Suicide Squad when they were doing a Suicide Squad movie. 
So it's like, well, they should have killed her, and uh, she should have died in Crisis. Yeah, because that she died in the comics. Yeah. So at least you have one comic accurate death. Yeah. And then Arrow, I get that he wanted to leave, but you could have had him just have like a, like a uh, Captain America send off where he just settles down, and then you can do the comic accurate death with Supergirl. But instead, no. Well, for Arrow, you I know you didn't you didn't watch Arrow, right? Mm-hmm. Well, he was in some dream world. I know that. Well, um, so in Arrow, there's there was a season where he tried to settle down, but he always gets wrapped back up in things. So it's like, it's pretty much he, if he tried to settle down, he wouldn't be able to. But it's fake. I don't think he'd be able to settle down. But That's it's fake. You just say that you just say that him Supergirl dying was the last thing he needed. And he doesn't want to do it anymore, and he's gone. And then you could have him die eventually, like in the next big one or something big. He comes back out of retirement for one. One last battle, and then he sacrifices himself. Here's the thing, though. I can't see any of these shows ending without the main character dying. Damn, only because, only because like, it's like, because then when there's a crossover, you're going to be like, where the hell are they? Why, why aren't they there? Like, that type of thing. Because they're old or something. They just age them up dramatically. Yeah, and they say that they got, like, lost in a different... With the Flash, it's easy enough. You say they got lost well, in the Speed Force. Well, the Flash, it's, that's easy. Yeah, you just say they got lost somewhere in some other universe, weird, weird dimension, I don't know, whatever thing, and then they come back, they, he doesn't have the same power that he used to. Hmm. Can't morally do it, whatever. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what's happening with that. I'm just I'm just interested to see, like, the... Uh, what, Hawkman? I think yeah. was one that was confirmed. Like, the old old uh justice league or whatever next up our first look at the spongebob characters the 3d animated again uh you can't see it but we got our first look at what like this new spongebob movie is gonna look like or like the 10 year old versions of all the characters i don't know i guess patrick kind of cutie but spongebob looks the same yeah mr Krabs just looks like he's like 21 yeah, he no. they aged him down. Mm-hmm. Squidward. Squidward just looks annoying. Yeah. <laughs> and then we got Sandy. Sandy looks like she's in preschool. Yeah, Sandy looks like she'd be annoying. She looks like she bites. Yeah. <laughs> and then you got Plankton, who... You mean Chum, or is that guacamole? I can't tell. I, I can't tell either. Probably I honestly Chum. didn't even notice he was on there. <laughs> yeah, so... Hey, I forgot about this movie, but... Um, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I remember. Didn't we see that one SpongeBob movie in the theater? Live action one. Uh, yeah, like half live action or something. Yeah. That one was that one was cool though. Was it, or were we just in fourth grade? Shh, shh, shh. <laughs> Let me just remember it how I remember it. Okay. All right, all right. How well I will. Next up here. Oh yeah. So this is the um, the like the official shooting thing. You know, they have the thing up that says like you can't park here because we're mm-hmm. shooting. Uh, and the uh, only really big thing that come out of this, other than the fact that they're, they're shooting, is that the title is, or the like code name, whatever, is Serenity Now. I don't know what that means. Yeah, I don't either. But interesting enough. Next up, Joaquin Phoenix is teaming up with Ridley Scott to make a Napoleon biopic, and he is <laughs> he's perfect for it. Like Isn't Napoleon really short though? Yeah, but other than that, have you seen him in Gladiator? Oh, yeah. He's so annoying, and I'm pretty sure Napoleon was annoying. Because, like, short, angry people, they say they have the Napoleon complex. Mm-hmm. So I think just, you know, do do a, a Lord of the Rings, make him short compared to everybody, and then 
he's angry. Good at that. So, I'm excited. I like Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, he's very cute. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I wouldn't say that much. But, <clears throat> next up, Paw Patrol live action movie what? has got a cast, and it's incredible. We got, I'll just name the notable people. Jimmy Kimmel, Randall Park, Tyler Perry, Dex Shepard, and then Kim Kardashian is going to be a voice in the live-action Paw Patrol. Why would Paw Patrol want someone who had a sex tape leaked to be in a kid's movie? I don't know. I don't know. Um, imagine being the voice actors for the TV show that just got canceled. Um, oh, stop. so we are replacing you with, with multi-millionaire Kim Kardashian West. Sorry about that. We don't care that you need the money. She do. she doesn't need it, but we're just going to hire her. Because nobody even likes her. This is, it's not going to sell any tickets. Yeah, no. If you like her, we am completely fine with saying unsubscribe. Ooh, dang. I'm risking it all right now, John. Yeah, you are. <laughs> I'm risking it all. No, but seriously, she's annoying. I don't like... The uh, Kardashians. I don't think that's an unpopular opinion, though. It's not. Especially among people with dawns. And among people of intelligence. People with high brain IQ. And by mm-hmm. high, I mean anything above, like, 70. Yeah. Ish. Next up. Oh, an ad came on just when I switched tabs. That was really good timing. Um, so, Michael B. Jordan is producing a Static Shock movie. Static Shock is a DC character. Yeah. Do you think he's gonna be Static Shock or? No, it's. I think he's starting a like, a production studio, that has something to do with just making movies for like with minorities make movies. Then you know help them well, out. I mean, or... I wouldn't be surprised if he wanted to play Static Shock because he wanted to be Black Superman. <laughs> Did he want? It? No, I think that was just people were like, "Be Black Superman." He's like, "I'm not opposed." No, no, no he, he had a meeting with it. He proposed it to uh, to the people. Oh. Wow, and they denied him? Yeah, well, they signed Henry Cavill instead. <laughs> they were like, we'll think about it. Well, because he but thought no. that, I think he, no one knew what was happening with Henry Cavill, so I think he assumed that Henry Cavill was out. Because that was yeah. like around the time when everyone was saying Henry Cavill's out. I still like Henry Cavill, but the, I, the only thing I like him from is uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. I knew you were going to say that. That movie is so good! I heard he's good in a movie called The, uh, not a movie, a show yeah. called The Witcher. I don't care about that. Show. Yeah, I, I'm not gonna watch it, but I heard. I, I, I Wait, I think it, and I think it's on Netflix. Yeah, it is. <laughs> oh, so yeah. Next up, we have. Oh God, I don't want to say that name. Do you see it? Yeah. Okay, so Doctor Strange Two has got a new cast member of Asian descent, named uh, Miss Gomez. Miss Gomez. Yes. Yes. Uh, it's, it's like, God, God, chill. I don't know. They pronounce, sometimes they pronounce it really weird. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know who to, I don't know if she's going to be anyone notable. I mean, this movie is going to be, is already looking insane. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe someone important. Maybe not. She's not a huge name. So it's whatever. Next up here. So, Halloween Kills would have come out this weekend. When is it coming out? And, um, Mr., uh, what's his name, made a, a statement on it. Uh, Blum. Yeah. So, he said, 
If this is still going on next Halloween, no, we are not holding it, Blum said. Halloween Kills is coming out next October, come hell or high water, vaccine or no vaccine. So, we're at least going to get this movie next October. I'm a little bit upset. At the worst. I'm a little bit upset. But at least it's not getting late until 2022 like every other movie. Yeah, but like they announced it so late though that it's getting delayed. Like that they're holding it. Yeah, that's true. I wasn't even that hyped for it because I'm like, I mean, I think 2018 Halloween is the best Halloween movie, but... Well, see, I wasn't hyped for it, but I was like, I was like, I was so confused because they haven't released anything. I was like, what's happening yeah, it's with something. it? It's something. But I was just like wondering, and I was, I hope that they don't do like the girl is Michael Myers. Oh, I'm sorry. Fun. Listen, I'm not sexist, but that's not menacing. <laughs> I mean, in all reality, you could probably, I mean, it's just biological. Next clip on the TikTok. Jack sexist question mark. <laughs> it's biologically proven that men are stronger than females. And yes, oh, no, we're getting, we're getting females are going to be, some are going to be stronger than some men. It's that simple. But I can outrun anyone. So it doesn't matter. I'll run. I'm not going to be scared. Plus, they're shorter on average. Again, a fact. Short people aren't scary. Genuinely, Jack, though, the thing is, though, you might not be scared, but you would definitely die in one of these movies. I would not. No, you literally run in front of cars. If you're that stupid to do that when you're not being chased by someone... But that's thrilling. If no, I was... No, no. Imagine you being chased by someone. There'd be someone going across your street at 25 miles per hour. You'd get ran over. That's how you would... That's what would happen to you, Jack. Well, do I want to die on this side of the street? No. You so say you just admit you'd die. No, no, I'll just go around the car, idiot. No, you... No, here's what I did. Okay, if the car's coming here and I'm running, right? And it's, it's coming, it's coming. I would just turn then go behind it and then run and now now look at this now the car is or now i'm behind the car and the person chasing me with the knife is here so now i have a head start do you know what you are jack smart you're definitely the guy who would run out into the street and then be like suck on this and then start running and but could just get ran over am i the guy who died with the cape he got his like cape stuck yeah yeah, that's you jack (laughs) yeah good it was a good hey if i'm gonna die i want to die flashy well, he kissed the girl and then got rejected. Don't you remember? <laughs> Not that part. <laughs> just, the, <laughs> just the cape part. Because capes are cool. Anywho, we got some Batman set photos. Uh, you got, we got some just ones with him in a suit. Some better looks at the penguin. We got some looks at Selena Kyle, right? Yeah. Catwoman. Uh, dapper Catwoman, by the way. Very dapper. We got some more... Of him on the motorcycle, not not Robert Pattinson. It's this dude on the motorcycle again. The motorcycle looks kind of weird. Like the front of it's like just flat. There's no like detail. And then we got some of these ones with him perched on like. Uh, yeah, it looks kind of sick. Yeah, with him perched on a tower. What it looks like is, uh, it's probably gonna be a very red shot when they put the color grading and everything on it because i wonder if he's gonna jump like in the movie probably mm-hmm. yeah he's probably gonna be perched then get up and jump it's it looks like even though it's just straying a bit from the classic batman we're still gonna be getting a lot of classic batman things oh yeah I'm, i i'm very like it's gonna stray away from like the costume designs and stuff like that but honestly, it'd be kind of goofy with some of the, some of them. And since they're going more of a David Fincher like grounded seven mm-hmm. style, it's I good. think this is going to be a very like 
comic accurate and but not at the same like i think yeah. it's gonna be good straight in the good ways yeah not in the just killing people ways yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. like other throwing things. some shade to snyder oh his dang. movies are still bad guys remember that oh, don't dang. think don't think he's good just because he got a new one sorry and then um what's this for what this oh it looks so weird there <laughs> He looks like he wants to kill someone in the crowd. Okay, so um, that Mad Max Furiosa prequel, Chris Hemsworth signed on to it. So uh, I haven't seen Mad Max yet, but I'm planning on seeing it. Wait, do you have it news about movies. Thor by any question, by any chance? No. What's your news about Thor? Uh, I, th- I heard that isn't Jane Foster supposed to get cancer or something in this? Uh, no, that's a rumor. No, um, it's the plot line. Well, no, that wasn't confirmed for anything yet. It pre- well. She, Natalie Portman just said it. Yeah, and then isn't she... I think she's training right now. I think she just started training, so I'm assuming we're going to see her as Thor, obviously. Yeah, well, the plot line in the comics is she has cancer, but then she gets the powers of Thor. But the thing is, every time she turns into, like, Thor uh, from her cancer state, she loses her chemo uh, progression. So she keeps on going back. And then at the end, spoiler, she dies because she just... She'd rather sacrifice herself doing something good than living the life with cancer and everything. So, sorry, but that's probably what's going to happen at the See, end. I think that'd be a good thing if she died. I was going to say, like, if, if she doesn't, though, and she... I feel like because... I don't want her to be Thor. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what it is. It's not because she's a woman or anything. I just feel like with these characters, you don't we don't realize how much time we actually get with them overall. Like, we, yeah. he's been Thor for so long, but we, we only have had him his own... This is going to be his own... Three mo- like he's this is gonna be his fourth movie, right? Yeah. So it's like it's like we don't get as much time with him as we actually think. So it's like I'd rather yeah. have him have more Thor movies for himself. And he's the only like of the big three left. Mm-hmm. It's kind of something to grasp grasp onto. But like he uh, the one thing that I didn't like though was in Thor Ragnarok. He literally caught, like he realizes he needs to be there for his people and be the king. And then in Endgame, he just leaves them. Yeah, that's true. They kind of like went back on it. I don't know. I, I have faith that this one's going to be... Well, Taika Waititi kept on saying how this one's even weirder and wackier than Thor Ragnarok, which... They're probably letting him go all out now. Yeah, this... I When Thor Ragnarok came out, like, now it's not as weird because, like, we've had, like, purple ball section, dude. But, mm-hmm. like, when that came out, that was, like, wild. Mm-hmm. So if we're going weirder than that, oh, boy. So, you know that uh, show I told you about, Community? Yeah. The Russo brothers worked on it, right? Yeah. I and think that's how they got the job, the paintball episode. And there, there's, like a ta- there's, like, a time travel, like, little thing in it. It's it's not... A- if you watch it, it's not actually time travel. It's just the guys... The guy who loves movies in mind, like, making stuff up. Mm-hmm. And it's literally exactly, like, the same as Endgame's, like, concept of time travel. <laughs> yeah. Well, they said they had physicists on there, so maybe they lied. I don't think... What if they were just, like... They just thought that was the truth, and they were like, yeah, we had people. <laughs> uh, so, there's that. And then we got, there's a new R-rated 3D animated movie coming that's said to be a cross between Sausage Party and Toy Story. That, I, that'd actually probably be kind of funny. <laughs> well, we'll see. I think 3D animated movies are kind of going to be the future for a bit because... I don't want it to be, though. I don't want it to be either, but it's cheaper, and with what's going on right now, if the mm-hmm. studios need to make money... That's me. I would. May, may. That's me. That maybe is how it's gonna be. I don't know why. I want to watch South Park so badly right now. 
I like I've just been itching to watch it recently. That's just so random. I don't know why. Like yeah, just talking about anime and stuff. Random. Just talking about anime and stuff just made me think about South Park. Two more pieces of news. One, Disney Plus has said they're gonna focus on streaming. Or Disney said they're gonna focus on Disney Plus streaming, which they need. They need, yes. Because yeah, Disney, Disney Plus. You need to step it up, my god. We need some more originals. Like, how does Netflix do better than you? Yes, Netflix gets like one good show a year when they release like 20, but they're still releasing 20. It's something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So And then that one show produces like yeah. allows 20 more to be produced. Do it do better, Disney. Like the, also, give money to people who have original ideas. Yeah, and I don't even care if they like have uh like I don't even care if it's an original or not. Like I just want some of their they don't, they have so much yeah. and they're not releasing any of it. And also uh, Disney, if you're listening, Inception made $800 million. That was a completely original IP. Wasn't linked to anything. Was selling only on its concept. And it made $800 plus million. So, Disney, start giving money to people who have original ideas. If you gave your money to the right people, you'd actually have a lot more respect then you do. You don't know what that was. I find it funny that we're talking to Disney even though we know they won't be watching this. It's okay. Maybe maybe the six people that watch this are going to know somebody, you know? Yeah. Maybe it maybe it was Maybe one of our subscribers is the Disney CEO. Maybe. Uh, what's his name? Wait. You see Bob Iger. I don't yeah. think it's him anymore, though. Well, he's still kind of right. Bob, if you're listening for some reason, Mr. Iger. <sighs> Talk to Disney. I know you probably Contact me. Contact me. Just, you know, go on our Instagram, DM us, Wearboard Podcast. Oh, that. Oh, I, I, I need to show you something after this. And then, you can do it right now as I give you the final piece of news. Uh, there's a Back to the Future remake concept, but before you freak out, because so did I, of course, Back to the Future shouldn't be remade, but it's like a parody with like a female. She accidentally goes back and time, messes something up. Listen, it, just don't do anything with Back to the Future. So I, I got a request for a DM from a random account on my main Instagram, right? Saying this. Hello there, we would like to collab. DM us your official Instagram page. And then at this, I go to the account. They have 100,000 followers. Jeez. Wow. I mean, if they paid me, I would do it, but... Wait, what is it? Is you see, I think Were they just, asking you to advertise? Yeah, I think you just wear a shirt. That's pretty much it. Well, that's probably a scam. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I know. To get money. But that's the news, everybody. Um, a lot of news on Batman and Spider-Man, but I feel like the Spider-Man news is finally done. It's been a month. We got the first little hint, and then every single, like, the past four podcasts, we've covered something on Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of insane. So, You guys ready for a long one today? Now we move on to Haunting of Hill House. So, um... I, uh, we want, we, okay, so let me start off with this. Well, okay, okay, I maybe, I wrote out, like, all this stuff, so, you know, I may, sorry, John may not be talking as much. We're gonna, you know, figure this all out. I'll still have some stuff at the end, I say. He has, he has stuff. Aside this notebook. Don't worry. That was not my notebook. <laughs> okay, so, let me, let's start with this. Me and John watched this, when was it? Like, June? Yeah, it was Ju- right before you went to Florida. We started. So, like, May, June. June. Yeah, yeah, we watched June. We watched June. So, we watched it in, like, late June, not looking for anything deeper. We just heard that this is good. 
there was this new thing called like watch party where we could like watch Netflix together like from our houses and all that so we're like we're gonna watch this thing that we both heard of that sounds really good and uh, wouldn't you know it it was really good but the key to the, the key to this is we watched this for enjoyment the first time so with that being said if you haven't seen Haunting Real House and you're like whatever I don't really care I just want to listen to them no shut up go watch it it's totally worth it you don't have to look for anything deeper I want to explain that all to you but just watch it for enjoyment it even if you don't like horror like it's so good it's it's probably yeah. it's my favorite mini series of all time I think it's my favorite horror thing of all time yeah it's it's better it's probably Netflix's greatest creations better than stranger things who Ooh. but by manner no, no, I guess my manner. But we'll explain why it's not as good as Blind Manor, which we're watching right now. We're about like halfway through. I so. hope it gets better. I hope it yeah, up. it's it's not as good. As, it's not bad, but it's mediocre. And then it also has to live up to Hill House. I'll so. explain why I also think Hill House is better as well. So yeah, so I mean, it has it's just good on every front. And it has awesome they art, really everything they could have done with plot, with ghosts to yeah. like psychics, to every little horror thing also, they, could, they did. I counted. Um, I'll tell you at the end how many ghosts are in each episode and added them all up. And that ghost, by the way, I count I counted as visions. So visions of people I counted. Um, I counted repeats of the same ghost. I, uh, for the most part, like if it's one scene, you know, and we mm-hmm. see the ghost from different angles, it's whatever. I don't count that like three different times. Um, I counted like obvious ghosts and then I tried to find as many hidden ghosts as I could. And then I even went and I watched like as many videos as I could to see if there's anything I missed at all. So I got a total. It could be a little more, could be a little less. Yeah, I don't think anyone. I don't think they're rough. I don't think anyone's even found all of them. I also mentioned I've a my monitor isn't like the best, so a lot of the darks like are pretty mm. crappy. Like they're not straight black, so it's kind of the shadows and faces maybe uh, gone in there. That's why it may not be an exact number, but that's what I try to use. The internet for so with that being said uh haunted real house is pretty much simply the plot is about a family coming back to uh, a traumatic event and the traumatic event is based all around you guessed it hill house it has two main timelines like part mm-hmm. of the t- part not timelines but like part of the timeline and then like a little third one that's kind of important it's pretty important uh for the characters so you have the early timeline when they're all kids, mom and dad are like 30, 40, whatever. They just move into the house. And then you have the present timeline where the kids are now adults. Mom is dead and the dad is older. And then the little third timeline in there is um, like, I called it mid-present because I don't know what else to call it. So it's like closer to where they are. I would say it's what, three years. It's when Steven is writing the book and when Shirley oh, yeah. has the encounter with the guy. Those two events and um, Nell meeting her husband. Yeah. Those three events all take place around the same time, about three or four years, I'd say, before we jump into the present. Mm-hmm. So with that context... Oh, wait, and there's one more. Okay, well, actually, so that's the context. Now, you probably noticed this. I think we may have talked about this, but so there's seven characters, right? Mm-hmm. We have... Uh, the mom, the dad, mom is Liv, dad is Hugh, you have Steve, Luke, Nellie, 
Theo, and Shirley. So that's seven characters, mm-hmm. ten episodes. And what's really cool is that seven of the episodes are the characters' episodes. So yeah, that's what each I'm talking about. It's like it's it's it's, a, it's like a character. Uh, I'm missing the word, but well, it's very. These characters are very um, forward characters. They're not passive. So that means a passive character is someone who, like, the plot takes them. But in this case, the plot is actually really just about the characters. So it. They're very. I mean, they drive the story because the story is really all about them. There's, mm-hmm. there's no like plot like, you know, um, Star Wars. You know, yeah, you, you. They're destroying the Death Star. That's the plot. Mm-hmm. This you really can't say that they don't have a clear goal. It's about these characters and that. So, in a way, they are kind of passive because this is happening to them. But since it's about them, they aren't really passive. It's kind of complicated, but you you catch my catching my drift. So each of the episodes, like I said, or there's seven episodes that are dedicated to the characters, and that leaves three left over. And what I found is that episode one is one of the leftovers. Episode six is one of the leftovers. That's the one take. Episode 10 is one of the leftovers. And so they're spaced out between. Mm-hmm. And what's cool is that they kind of act as like a movie within themselves. So you have act one is episode one, set up. Act two is when all the themes and conflicts come to a head. All the characters meet and then act three episode 10 is when it's all paid off they have to finish what they started in act one episode one and yeah i just thought it was really cool mm-hmm. and then the episodes in between build on the characters which is the most important part and then it kind of crescendos into the 10th episode where everything is resolved so anything to add to that no. okay so uh, episode one I, is called Steven Sees a Ghost. Uh, it, it introduces everything really well. So obviously we, we have the introduction to Hill House itself. You know, we open with that mysterious shot, brings us in. And then, we, you know, we meet Steven first. We, have, we meet every character. So Steven, straight-laced, we're established right away. He does not believe in ghosts. Mm-hmm. He seems to have his life together he seems to be well off you know he has his a a nice uh outfit on you know he just he's all put together um surely we see is helping the kid um with her with dead relatives i mean that's what she does she like what do you know what it's called when you a cor no i was gonna say corner uh i forgot what it's called coroner or something like that you're close um when she like fixes or like you know uh like does the makeup for dead people and open casket funerals so they don't look dead when you see them uh so that's what she does theo is very closed off she's seen drinking right away she just seems very angry doesn't seem like someone you necessarily would want to be around um the dad he seems isolated He's all the way down in Florida when we know they're all up in, like, California. So mm-hmm. he's not really in contact. Not with them, but... Not with them. And then uh, Nellie, we don't see much of, but what, what we do see is just kind of not her... We don't see much... When, we, when they introduce her, it's not introducing her character like the other people. It's kind of introducing... She's more of, like, what drives the plot. So mm-hmm. she is just shaken. Then we meet Luke who we don't know this yet, but he's in like a rehab. So we can assume he's either in like a mental hospital or in rehab. 
So we don't know yet, but we know that he's not with everyone else. He looks a little, eyes are sunken in. He looks beaten up, so we know something's up with him. Uh, so that's, and then I explained this to you, but obviously the show can't just say like, now this is Steve. So that's another really good thing. And like, you know. Yeah, there's a lot of show not tell. Mm-hmm. And it tells perfectly because I think um, like a lot of people say, uh, you know, it's better to show and not tell in movies. But you got to remember that that's the great thing about movies is that you have both show and you have tell. And it's mm-hmm. not bad to use tell at all. So uh, it does both efficiently and effectively, which is key. I just said this in like three minutes. I'm pretty sure it does it in three minutes while, you know, it does and it, while also introducing plot lines. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so then we see, help, we see the past. We kind of start to see how the past affects the future. And this is why I'd like to mention how the storytelling is so good. Because like I've said, it's about the characters' arcs, and their arcs take place in the present. So there's no need to tell the story from young to old. You know, there's no need to tell it linear, linearly. It's easier, uh, it's cooler to tell it in the way it does. Um, simply enough, it's not like there's not. It's not like deep. It's not like they have to tell it this way. Mm-hmm. But it's better that the, it, they, there's no need to tell it linearly. So it's better. It's just cool, you know. Well, with some episodes, I think it, uh, the past and the present coincide together. Yeah, perfectly. yeah, because then they, it allows it to especially episode six because mm-hmm, it allows it to uh, rhyme, as George Lucas would say. Mm-hmm. So it, it aids the story for sure. That's what. But it's not like 100% needed. You could definitely. It's. You know what I was thinking of when I was watching this? What? So you know how like, it they told it like, when they were kids and then when they were older, mm-hmm. and then in the book it tells it like kind of like this. Mm-hmm. Well, and I I always thought like, oh the way they told it in the new movies is so much better. <laughs> I think that if they told it the way that like this way it would have been cooler. Oh yeah, definitely. But I didn't think at the time. I thought it was cooler to. Well, it's just because like. The kids are so like personable and the mm-hmm. and it and so are the adults. So it's kind of like I like them separate, but I don't know. So we're already seeing kind of how like the past affects the future and how how all that works. Um, and then you know Steve is denying ghost star reality. She's like the uh, woman is just adamant that she saw a ghost, like. And he still is just saying, no, not real. It's not possible. And this is also kind of where the... And then we, we see some other ghosts in the past. And this is where it's pretty obvious. And this is how it usually is in ghost stories. That ghosts are just their past traumas. It's a representation um, of, you know, their, their inner ghosts, you could say. Well, wait, really quickly while we're on the topic of trauma... Something that I thought, like, when I was rewatching it, was, like, that Shirley, when she talks to the kid, I feel like it's a way of her dealing with her own trauma when her mom died, like, because mm-hmm. she now gets to, like, be the one who is helping someone else. Yeah, yeah. And then, but on the surface, this comes more through in episode 10 when we get the reveal about what she did in her past. Mm-hmm. And, of course, majorly in episode 2, which is her episode, if I'm not mistaken, um... Yeah, on the surface, she it seems like she deals with it, but in all reality, she just keeps it held back, and they all do, and they all do, and that's why, you know, it still comes forward, and that's why this happens because 
they truly did never deal with what happened that night. And what's cool, and we'll get to this more, is that every single episode makes the other people look like a bad guy until you get to their episode where you see their perspective. So mm-hmm. it's like when you get, because of the way they tell the story, you can get inside every single person's head, even if you don't relate to them. And you can see, okay, well, they're annoying and they have these horrible traits, but you can see where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. Even with the mom, who for the all first eight episodes is the bad guy, you know? In episode nine, it's where you get like how she falls kind of. And then everything else before that, watching it the second time, is recontextualized completely. And she's not the bad guy anymore. I think the main bad guy of this show is Karen. Is Karen Shirley? Yeah. She is the bad guy. When we watched this, we gave everyone names pretty much. Uh, Jack was Luke. I was Nell. And our friend Andrew was the dad. (laughs) Hugh. And then, yeah. And then we... that was Andrew could be named Hugh, couldn't he? Yeah. The only other person we nicknamed was Shirley, and we named her Karen because we found her kind of annoying. Oh, yeah. I didn't know her name for the first, like... So I mm-hmm. so I wrote down notes before I, like, typed it all out, and I just wrote down bitch instead of Shirley for the first, <laughs> first like, three episodes because I didn't know her name. And I'm like... And then I had to put bitch equals Shirley so I could remember. Um, and then... So then we come back to Shirley. She talks about how she fixes dead people, like you said. And then... We go to the red room setup, which from the get go, something's weird about it. Mm-hmm. It just is telling you, like, look at this. There's you have pay attention to this. You know, we have the weird door. It's not opening. It's red. The whole house is kind of a muted browns and some, you know, yellows and oranges. But like they're red, especially in that hallway, just stands out. Like it's telling you to look at that. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, you know, you, get, you can't really predict without knowing the twist it's not like the red room twist isn't like that but it's just cool that we're getting that foreshadowing from the start so uh then we meet theo uh and then the dad is the only one who picks up nell's call and we don't know this yet but it's it's already too late she's already at hill house and uh going to you know do you know whatever Mm -hmm. just kind of try to figure out what's going on and then 303 hits everyone wakes up and that's when she died because they're all kind of connected the house kind of you know in a sense thrust them on this path the instant that they walked in and made it their home and then uh we get we go to the the best sequence ever when they're running out of the house what a way yeah what a way to like just bring you in you know we meet the characters and then and then if you're thinking i don't know if the show's for me they give you this mm-hmm. so he run the doorknobs twisting you know the dad's actually scared and when your dad is scared like that's not you know that's it's weird because you mm-hmm. it's your dad you think of him like uh, as like higher or whatever you know so the dad's scared uh uh, what's it? Steven has no clue what's going on, and then they run out, and then as they're running out, there's all those ghosts. Oh yeah. Oh, classic. Um, man, that's so much. It's so good. So, uh, then we see a bit of the troubled history. This is the mid past or mid present period. We see what happened with book or with Steve writing the book. Shirley, being Karen, very much disagreed with this. Uh, 
obviously uh, Stephen's wife was like, why not? Like, mm-hmm. uh, well, it's because they never really dealt with it. That's why not. Uh, we get some, uh, you know, backstory about the house from the caretaker, uh, and then this is that's really when what's gonna be happening with the house comes in focus. You know, it's haunted. The caretaker. Actually, pretty upfront about the fact that there's, there's something up with this place. The caretaker was a good character. Yeah. So, yeah, she, she she literally is like, yeah, it's haunted. And then even in she literally tells uh, the mom in episode nine to like, like something's gonna be happening to her. Yeah. So well, they, they like hint both of the both of the caretakers, like the maid and then the mm-hmm. like the actual caretaker. They both tell each of the different parents. Maybe you should take some time off. Yeah. And then we go to the treehouse, which gives us two best parts of the show. Actually, three. Red Room, Foreshadowing, and Young Luke. What a G. It literally looks like Jack. Watch. If you haven't watched this show, just watch it for Young Luke. Maybe I'm biased, but he's the cutest mother sucker ever. And apparently I'm Nelly, so that means me and Jack have a twin thing. Yeah, I guess we have the twin thing. So, yeah, we get... Uh, foreshadowing from the pictures, dialogue, setting. I mean, everything is kind of foreshadowing here. But it doesn't matter because young Luke is in the frame, which means you're just like, man, I want to meet that kid. <laughs> I love that kid. Okay. I want. I hope my son's like young Luke, and he has a good chance. I just need to meet somebody who looks like me so then it has a better Are chance. Are you going to clone yourself and then mate with yourself? Yes, I'll, make, I'll clone myself as a female. Uh... So that, oh my god, imagine you use a fee- oh! <laughs> Man, that'd be the best. Alright, keep going, Jack. <laughs> um, so then, we see Luke stealing. You know, that's this is really our first introduction to, to Luke. We do, you know, we see him wake up, but other than that... Yeah, he doesn't... He's an addict, he's, you know, a criminal, so... That might have been the third thing I've dropped this episode. Clean move, John. Oh, I dropped another thing over there, and then there's another one right there. What is it? It's oh. parts of the pen. Your pen just is falling apart? I've been fidgeting this entire time. What's this? The part that you push in. Oh, your entire pen fell apart. Alrighty then. So then, um, Steve's beliefs are tested when Ooh. he sees Nell as a ghost. I mean, he sees, like, <laughs> like, how do you even deny that? He explains it later, what he thinks wrong, is yeah, wrong. Yeah, well... He finds a way because he still needs to learn. Because he's you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, so yeah, I mean, that's uh, it's pretty much the end of episode one. Ten ghosts in total, I've counted. Uh, that means visions, obvious ghosts, and hidden ghosts. Like I said, some of the things that I'll say here, they pretty much stand for the entire series. Awesome transitions. Oh yeah. Doors that's opening. However, they do it. Really cool. Uh, cinematography, it just gets better throughout the series. And that's cinematography kind of means two things, if you didn't know. One, how good shots look. Uh, I mean, it, cinematography refers to just shots in general. So, like, you often think of it as nice-looking shots. It doesn't necessarily mean that. And that's why a lot of times good cinematography also means effective storytelling through visuals, uh, in case you're wondering. And then... This is, it also sets up the different ways that people deal or don't deal with trauma, mm-hmm. which carries through. That's probably why this is a good way to 
a good backdrop for a ghost story because that's a lot of times how ghost stories run. Um, we have, you know, the arcs being set up, uh, the present and past time, all that suspense, twist, mystery. It's all there. Doesn't hurt the story. Only adds a lot to it. Complex characters. They have all have likable and unlikable traits. Some are more likable than others, but I mean that's how life is. You like other people some more than others. That's just I mean it's really good because and also characters aren't just idiots. You know, like horror movies when somebody will just be like. No, we're gonna go over there because you know we have to for the plot or whatever. And here, the only time someone makes a really dumb mistake is when Luke, actually Luke makes two when he leaves the you know his yeah you're kind of a dumbass Jack thing yeah, I am and then he goes to the house but they're both completely reasonable in character his connection with Nelly and then his like inkling to go out and chase this person who he's had a only person who he's had a connection with. Since he got in there. Yeah. It all makes sense. It's not like in some random slasher where they're like, oh, I just want to go here just because. Like, there's yeah. a reason. There's a reason. There's always a reason behind yeah. it. Yeah. So, that's good. And that is episode one. So, now we're going to go into episode two. That's the longest one, by the way. Uh, just so you know. Because that, that a lot of... Well, I was about to say, we're... Episode two, they're all quicker. Because now we move into the character episodes. This one, Shirley's. It's called Open Casket. Makes sense because... She deals with open caskets. So, simple establishing. We kind of reinforce what we learned in episode one about her. Um, and then, I like, uh, you know what, I like these a lot, and I kind of said this, is because with these character episodes, they move the plot forward because it's so character-focused, but also develops the character. So it does, that's, a, that's, that's what I try, when I'm writing, that's what I try to do, is everything I'm doing, I try to have at least it, aiding two things so is it aiding a character in the story is it aiding the theme and an arc whatever you know and this show as far as i could tell every scene had uh, at least one purpose most of them had two three purposes at a time uh so um let's see i explained that and then so shirley finds the kittens and this is kind of the catalyst for where she goes. So she finds kittens in a barn and then, or house thing. I don't know. Some little shed outside the, the house. She takes them in and then uh, we see a couple things in the present after she finds them. The model house, which kind of represents her model life, what she would want in a... It's the forever house. Yeah, in a perfect world where she didn't have held back trauma. And we see this fully, and this is, you know, confirmed, this thought because later when the house is destroyed what's it destroyed by a ghost of her past whoa so yeah that's it rep kind of represents what she could have but can't because she hasn't dealt with her trauma deal with your trauma i guess that's what the show is really trying to tell you um so then we see the guy with that she had the affair with foreshadowing uh then she learns Nell dies. This happens for most of the character episodes they, when they find out Nell dies. We see, and then they kind of always go back to where they were. So, like, we, the, any uh, development they get in episode one and then their episode is completely reverted when they find out Nell died because they never, again, truly dealt with their trauma. So when more of it comes back, more of their bad habits come back. And then we cut to... 
the forward and then we see the kittens die um, and then of course this kind of that's that and her mom are the two things that kind of plant that seed and that trauma in her head and then uh, you know we see that uh, she kind of what uh, you know like left Luke out of Shirley or um, Nell's wedding yeah that is when I that's that's when I was like okay yeah she's a bitch because oh, yeah, she's just <laughs> well from the get-go you could tell just with how stern she was you could tell they're, they're they're twins like the entire series they have this connection it's literally the episode of the fourth the twin thing ah oh, and then she's just bitch, i hate sorry i hate karen Sh- or shirley whatever and me being Nell, trust me i wouldn't have cared if luke showed up high exactly. i would just wanted him there and i wasn't even high i only had a little bit <laughs> of that good okay uh, and then the model house blinks and seven ghosts in the episode so the continuing theme of seven I don't think that was on purpose. I mean, here, I'll get to a seven, and we'll come up again later. It's like Harry Potter? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the kittens were her first brush with death as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, like you can kind of see why she's a, a bee, because like, things just keep dying in her life. But still, mm-hmm. you're going to be so mean to Luke. He's cute. Yeah, and then, isn't this the episode where she decides she's going to work on her brother as well, uh, her sister as well? Yeah, yeah. yeah kind of messed up yeah, a little bit okay so then we move into episode three touch which if you watch you know touch this is theo's episode um so right away we give hit we get hints of theo's powers or mm-hmm. i guess it's powers like the mom has powers too like she said when she was crying harder it was raining harder mm-hmm. i also think uh theo's like set up to be the tough one but like she she puts the gloves on because Actually, she's the most sensitive one, and yeah. if she lets her walls down, she's the most emotional. Yep. So that's kind of that's the kind of her thing, and we'll talk drinking and then the walls. Those two things are her kind of dealing with trauma, uh, how she does it. So uh, we and just set up for the episode. We learned about Mister Smiley. That's kind of like the subplot for her this episode, like this case she's mm-hmm. on about, um, like this you know this girl is getting like. Did, is she molested? She's gonna okay, so she's gonna molest, or she thinks she is, and then we find out later. But we'll get to that. So oh yeah, never mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So really, the next whole part of the episode is just establishing Theo's connection with both her mom and the powers because they're kind of tied. Her mom has the powers as well. The grandma has the powers. All um, these kids though have some sort of psychic ability, not ability, but like they all are psychically linked as well. So yeah, they all have traits of that psychic abilities from the mom all in them yeah yeah for sure theo just has like the strongest yeah, yeah. of them she's the most sensitive it's kind of yeah and so uh yeah so she's kind of close is i mean they all have moments with their mom in their episodes mm. or most of them do so yeah oh i forgot to say this really quickly steve his episode is kind of like half his episode yeah he has like two episodes yeah so like episode one and episode i think it's eight i was gonna say eight or seven uh i think it's eight are like both half Steve episodes, mm-hmm. and then he's also kind of sprinkled throughout. So yeah, he doesn't have like a like this is like Theo's. I like it. Yeah. Louis all Theo. Shirley's all Shirley. Luke is all like you get it. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, just wanted to point that out. We get the cold spot. Only Theo and her mom can feel it. Uh, again, kind of bringing that link together. Uh, and then we see the red room from the other perspective. Which this is actually a case where had you if you were thinking about it, the doorknob does move the same way. 
that they both get on you know they you see the shadows so you know we see the red room from both perspective and uh mm -hmm. this one's actually like if you're paying attention i don't think anyone would have noticed it but if you are you may be able to say wait a sec you know so i like that i always like that type of twist um when you can predict it uh so then we go get go back to the club to reestablish that part of her character uh, and then we have the basement scene where we get more cute Luke, you know, with like the elevator. Oh, I thought this was the other basement scene. No. Well, I just put them together. So then we cut back to the present, but then we go back to the or past where she uses her powers. And, mm -hmm. and this whole, this is all filled with a bunch of ghosts. There's ghosts yeah. behind. She Ever. finds a secret like ladder. There's ghosts everywhere. There's ghosts behind the door when she walks to look in the ladder. There's a ghost in the ladder. There's two ghosts in the basement. There's a ghost or two ghosts when Luke goes down to the basement. I mean, packed with this one has a lot of ghosts. I'll say that. Um, so then we she learns about Nell's death. And of course, where do we cut to? Her drinking because that's how she deals with it. And of course, and also she's, you know, has denied this other, her, this relationship mm -hmm. where this other girl that seemed like she's willing to actually make a relationship, not a one night mm -hmm. stand, but she denies it. Uh, so she cuts herself off. She doesn't want to talk to anybody. Um, and then she goes to finish off the Mr. Smiley case where we find out that, you know, she uses her touch powers and then like she sees, she has like the feeling the girl feels, sees Mr. Smiley then shakes the dad's hand and then it all comes in her mind that the dad does this to his adopted daughter and then the mr smiley is like this little pattern on the wood mm -hmm. of her basement uh roof so and then the dad she knows that the dad's gonna admit and now we get to a debate me john and andrew had remember about oh, this yeah. if he was smiling or not he was not smiling uh, it would have been a cool nod if he was smiling it was kind of hard to tell though i don't think he especially was especially with... it is hard to tell but I tried to, I looked it up, nothing really came up, but you'd think that, like, secret ghost things would have, would have, uh, like, the, um, have him smiling on it. Mm -hmm. I don't think he was smiling. Uh, okay, but can I say something? Yes. About this really quickly. I thought that the Mr. Smiley thing was really cool, because I thought it was, a, like, the perfect way to convey how children deal with trauma in their own ways, and, like, mm -hmm. they don't understand what's happening, but they don't like it either, so they... They could they like look to anything around them and they they correlate it with that. Yeah, they try to find anything at all, and since it, yeah, that like relates to the main characters because this happened when they were kids and they never really dealt with it. So yeah, instead of instead of saying that it's just her her like adoptive father, she comes up with Mister Smiley to deal with her yeah. trauma. So the dad gets zipped away by the cops, and he definitely looks like a guy that would admit, um, and then. We get a couple secrets set up. So one, we find out that uh, Theo did take the money from mm -hmm. Steve and was one of two people who did. And then we set up that there's something going on with Shirley's husband and Theo. Not sexual yet, but like he he's like, you know, asks her a question, kind of mysterious. She's like, Shirley's here, but we'll talk about it later. And we we end up finding out that uh, it's about that he also took the money. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, so then we end with more of the, what I call fateful night, which is when they're all running away. So if I say fateful night, that's what I'm referring to. And this episode 
whopping 15 ghosts. So, yeah, uh, most, uh, or actually a good chunk of them, I think like five or something, were showed up in the basement scenes. So, mm-hmm. man, I, that's the one I remember the most because I just remember we, we kept on saying like, there's a ghost there. Uh-huh. That was really fun. So, yeah, any, anything else to add to Theo's episode? That episode no. Now we're going to go on to episode four. This is the twin thing, Luke's episode, which makes me happy because I'm Luke. So, uh, yeah, we start by learning about Abigail. It's not too important to the... Oh, oh, I forgot to mention. So in episode, or with Theo's episode, it's I would say it's the least connected to the overall plot. Like, Mr. Mm-hmm. Smiley has no yeah. real... It's really all about just building up Theo and... Uh, to be honest, it just is the one that they couldn't really find a good way to connect it. But it was an interesting enough subplot that I'm not complaining. Can I say something about Luke before we start? Hmm. Something that I noted was that um, the after he leaves the house, the house still haunts him, right? Mm-hmm. So he turns to drugs for comfort. But after he spirals out of control, everywhere now he's turning. Now the drugs are haunting him. Mm-hmm. And that shows up later, and just like the whole having to come back to something to comfort him, continuously comes up in his character, but. So we start with Abigail, not too important to the overall plot once again, just a bit, uh, just a cool little twist at the end with her, but we don't know if she's real or not up until we find out what the answer is. But yeah, is she real? Is she not? Who knows? I mean, you just have him sitting with her, so. And we also got a little thing of her in the treehouse, so. Mm -hmm. Were you going to say something? No. Oh, okay. So then we catch up with Luke, who... Uh, we we hear about the blind man, and then we also find out that he's 90 days sober. So he's actually doing really good. He seems happy and all that. And then with that, we go back to uh, flashback, and we see something that I actually find really interesting, and it's something that has to do with the dad's character a lot too. Luke tries to tell his dad about something that like scaring him, I, I have this and yeah. he just denies him that comfort. Of, he's like, you have to be a big boy, and... I don't know if this is supposed to be like a taught giving a, a like a commentary on men's standards and having to be a man, but either way, it does add to the dad's character of kind of always until the end a little bit and not knowingly, but for a reason, being shut off from his kids. Well, for me, I also noted that like his entire family, even as a child, doesn't believe things that they, he says to him, to them, and that continues later on when he's older with the him being sober when he says that they don't believe him oh and by the way it's key here to say that this is like our interpretation so even yeah. me and john may disagree between things and not even disagree but have different views it's that's like but that's why we love movies that's why i love movies for sure is that you can think of it of a million different ways and if you're thinking like i don't think that's exactly how it goes i mean let me know i mean that's interesting to see a different way of thinking about it i would just this is my interpretation john's and that's mm-hmm. you know that's how it is so yeah. Um, so then we have a conversation. Uh, we learn that Luke has actually done some pretty bad things. Uh, and that conversation both introduces girlfriend kind of person. And then uh, just we get to learn a bit about more about Luke. Because up until this point, very mysterious of person of the family. Um, so then we see his connection with Nellie. Uh, then he... You know, the, his girlfriend leaves, and he follows because that's the one person he's found like true solace and comfort in, and all these time, all this time in this isolated kind of almost like pseudo prison in a way, just like a nicer prison. So he follows her, and 
uh, he's having you know problems because of his connection with Nelly. He like he, he it looks like he's withdrawing or just really really out of it, but he's not. It's like mm-hmm. since she's dead, like part of him died. Yeah. It, well, he feels he feels cold. Which, yeah. Yeah. And see, the, this is another thing with Blind Man. It's the difference between Hill House is that we talked about this already. Hill House is one hundred percent like there's some supernatural bigger things going on i mean you have powers psychic abilities true ghosts that can affect reality in blind manner it's completely possible up until at least episode five that's where we are that it's just visions it's 100 mm-hmm. percent possible that's the case hill house i mean these are i mean like he's affected by her death physically yeah. affected now that happens in real life i've heard but who knows if to this extent and I also think in Blind Manor, they didn't give us a big enough to reason to keep watching. For like, well, to, yeah, like yeah. all the way to the end, at least so far. Yeah, I was going to... That's, that's why when I was... When we were talking about Blind Manor, and I'm like, I'll explain this on the podcast, so I guess this is a good time. This... Because you don't want to copy this format mm-hmm. with the past and present, but it's such a specific and interesting way to tell the story. Now, I believe that... Um, what's his name? Mike Flanagan, who made this... Uh, has the potential to keep on making incredible things. And that's not to say Blind Manor is bad at all, but this is just something so special. It's such a unique mm-hmm. way of going about it from from the story, from the cinematography to the story structure to how each episode is used in the bigger picture. To copy it would just be irrelevant. It would be pointless. I mean, you're yeah. just remaking it. So it's hard, it, it's hard to, you know, go about mm-hmm. it that way. So... Uh, then, uh, oh yeah, so, it's just, this is, I think when he's out of the prison, is some of the best looking shots at night with the orange and cyans. Oh yeah. Whew, because that's like, the big budget, like, every, look at any movie poster, it's orange and blue. Luke definitely has the coolest ghost out of all of them, though. The tall man. So then, that's where this, he's in, we introduced the tall man. We first uh, learned about him in the flashback. Luke hides under the bed. He was wearing the hat of the tall man. Um, the question is, did that make the, him link to the tall man when he you know, took that? Or is, it's, it's irrelevant, really. The point is, this is his ghost. So, mm-hmm. yeah, he's just spooky. And just how he like is always right there. Good. So then we cut back to the present where we get the repercussions for his actions. They aren't letting him back in. When he tries to go to Steve's house, Steve's not there. It's only his wife. He finds out that they've kind of uh, split up. And then, so he's not allowed there. And then she leaves him. And, uh, oh, oh, first, actually, first we see the scene from episode one from a different perspective. That's another thing that uh, almost all the episodes do. Episode one will have a scene, and then we get the context later. So here we find out that he's been denied to a place to stay and he's just trying to help somebody mm-hmm. and so he has to do something he tries he breaks into steve's house and tries to you know get what he can to just mm-hmm. be able to go throughout a couple nights and then he gives her the stuff and she leaves and now he's left and this is actually my favorite shot of the entire series uh just in terms of how nice it looks is that one where he's on the bench and the building is behind him, and the sun's reflecting off it. Mm-hmm. 
Man, that's a nice looking yeah, shot. This was definitely one of the better, not even better. Like they're all yeah, so good. They're all so good looking, but this one looked especially mm-hmm. well when we when Luke was outside of the, and that could be, uh, on purpose because you know like, it's not too visually interesting when he's inside these white walls. So when he's free, it like opens up a color and a wider scope. It's just, I don't know if that was intentional, but that's definitely something that's there. And now he's cold, sick. He's sad, he's alone, and now, all of a sudden, the tall man is with him again. Mm-hmm. He wasn't with him until she left, and he's cold, six, seven, alone. Like, it, that's like, he only comes when he's at his low point, yeah. just like everybody else. So, that happens, and then he finds out Nell died, and, you know, we see how close they were. Episode ends. Yes. Eight ghosts in this episode, just to say. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I just was reading my spot, uh, things for the next episode. Okay. So. so, yeah, pretty good amount. I think I think I'd say that eight is the average so far, or throughout the series. Um, but then there's this one episode that, well, we'll talk about it. And it's because of one. I know which episode it is. It's because of one shot. They, yeah, it's yeah. just. So, now we have episode five, the bent neck lady. This is Nellie's episode. So. Uh, even more than Luke, we have no clue who Nellie really is. Mm-hmm. Even the mom, we have a better idea of who she is over Nellie. Because Nellie, when in the past timeline, was only like six. So we really don't have m- much of a clue who she is mm-hmm. as a person. So um, the opening is fixes that immediately by telling her life story. We see her as a kid, and then she sees the bent neck lady. We establish that she has good connections with her family, and then we cut to her after the trauma after the night the fateful night and then she meets her soon-to-be husband Mm -hmm. we have them falling in love through montage they get married they seem perfect for each other he always always, he's always there for her i mean she still has these night terrors problems but uh he's always there to help her until one night where who knows if a ghost did this it's up to interpretation on this at this point but he dies well, it was well. The bent neck lady is there. The bent neck lady is there, but we don't know if she had anything yeah, to do yeah, with it. We don't. Well, we know the bent neck lady did not, but that doesn't mean something else mm-hmm. didn't. So, uh, this is just a huge blow to her because I mean, it meant to her to her husband, and obviously knew it was pretty new couple, or at least being married it was new. So, yeah, I bet that didn't feel too good. So then. Uh, we get more info on the house and Nellie when we get the tea set and this is kind of the first time we get on the backstory we learn about a bit about the hills and you know something weird about how the caretaker seemed to have known the hills but like Mm -hmm. it's just strange the caretaker isn't a ghost but she seemed it's just it's a weird thing for a little bit I did think they were ghosts because they seemed to kind of set that up yeah because they seemed to know the hills that seemed like a long time yeah there's a lot of black and white pictures but black and white was 19... I would say the average picture was still black and white, at least in the 1950s. Yeah, so, I mean, I, it could make sense, I guess. And the she past timeline... Be really young. Yeah, the past timeline is probably 70s. So she probably was, yeah, like 18 mm-hmm. and got this job there with... Seemed to be husband. So it, the timeline works out. You just have to stretch it a bit. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, uh, and then... Oh yeah, so then the mom has another freakout sex- uh, session. This is weird for us, but eventually will make sense. And then uh, she also has 
she's trying to deal with it the best for sure, going to therapy. But it's probably one of the most hard for her because she was so young. She she's at that age where you'd remember that for mm-hmm. sure. You'd remember that, but like it's so blurry that it just like haunts you and kind of a it it haunts you in the way that these hidden ghosts haunt you. Yeah, they're there, and they they're always lingering, but they're it's not like overstatedly obvious. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting for sure. Um, we go to the mid present, and then you know we start to see how everything is like falling apart. Um, we see that Luke and Nell's like last time probably talking before he went in to rehab, probably last time talking ever. Uh, and he's, it's not him, you know, for, mm-hmm. for her, for sure. We don't know when he started getting into drugs, but like he's sunken eyes. He looks horrible. And then he asks for her to buy drugs for him. And then we know that he goes in like the next day and that's the last time they talk. And so that's, so that's Nellie's last a conversation with Luke. And then she's remembering that her husband's dead. So she throws out the pills, which uh, in turn sends her to uh, get Theo. And then Theo and her get in a disagreement. And so her last time talking to Theo is a disagreement. Yeah. And then she gets in a fight with Steve, flames him as she flamed Theo's ass. And then they get in a fight and she leaves. And then... You know, finally, when she's at her worst state, she's in that motel. She calls everyone and nobody answers. And the last time she talked to any of them was in a fight. And that's a straw that breaks the camel's back. She goes and then the house and this comes up majorly in episode 10. Most obviously feeds off of your fears Mm -hmm. and your insecurities. And now that she is so in such a horrible mental state, it kills her. She dies. Actually dies. So, uh, yeah. We uh, are you gonna talk about the? That was this episode, right? What? Where we find out that she's the. Well, yeah, she dies, and then she well, she has a rope because she thinks there's a necklace in like this dream state. The house is like manipulating her mind. So then she puts the necklace on, then like wakes up, realizes that it's a rope, and then is like pushed. Now, did does that? Did she like push herself? Like, is it like? An allegory? No, probably not, because as we know in this universe, ghosts are real. So mm-hmm. we can assume that the ghost actually pushed her, and then she falls like through time. And what's weird about this is something. Remember how in episode uh, six, this next mm-hmm. episode, she disappears? I oh, I was gonna talk about that, you little shit. Why talk about it? I've been talking. Uh, about- I was gonna talk about how the fact that people there's a theory. This is a, there's a theory out there about that. Go ahead. All right, I'll just talk about one of the the. Th- one of the five fan theories I have for later on. One of the theories is that the little girl, while she's lost in the storm, goes to her own funeral in the future because mm. there's a time, there's there's all this yeah. time meddling going on, anyways. And because both of them are also taking place during a storm. Yeah. Well, I, I wasn't gonna say that. I was gonna oh, say yeah, that yeah. similar. I think that she. So you know, Theo has like the touch powers. Well, I think she kind of has a power to can't control it at all. Exists like out of time. Because, like, with the bent neck lady, she goes through time. Mm-hmm. And when she disappears, that's possible that she that's, she goes there. And mm-hmm. um, so it's totally, I, th- I think it's, I think it's true that she can exist outside of time itself mm-hmm. and, like, go through it. As if it's, you know, like, interstellar. She mm-hmm. can just, like, go to a different time. 
uh, one thing I just realized as well, like I didn't even have this written down, is that when any time she sees the bent neck lady, she freezes and gets cold. And what mm-hmm. happens when she dies? She becomes the bent neck lady. She yeah. freezes, gets cold. That's what Luke feels as well. Yeah. So it's like it's all connected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I definitely think that she exists all the time. So ten ghosts in this episode. Um, I don't think I counted the bent neck lady every time. I did count her for one, but not every time because. Every time we see her, it is one time. So, I think this is also like the first time we see how truly dangerous the house can be. Mm-hmm, because before this, it's Steve could be right. It's mm-hmm. it's mental illness, whatever. Here, it's confirmed she's literally pushed. She's through time. It's confirmed that there is something bigger and weirder going on in this mm-hmm. world that can't happen here. Well, in my opinion, can't happen in our world. Mm-hmm. All right, so. Now we have episode six. This is called Two Storms. Um, this is the most technically incredible episode. I literally, the, the first thing I have written for it is one of the best episodes in television history. Yeah. So I have a lot of fun facts. I have a whole paragraph, so I'll try to get through it as quick as possible. It was done in five long takes. I only noticed four, um, but I think there may actually be five different notable sections where they actually do acknowledge there's a transition. Uh, so it's not meant to be one long take. It's meant to be five long takes. It's still technically incredible. Don't get me wrong at all. Um, so, so the Hill House funeral set were constructed as one from the beginning. They always knew they were going to do this. Their hiding spots throughout where the ghosts and crew would go, which was, I presume, meant for the crew, but then probably turned out well because then the ghosts could go in and hide and they didn't have to do any VFX. Um, so there's that. The script actually had shot direction in it, which mo- you're not supposed to write shots in the script because, you know, as a writer, unless you know you're directing it, you don't want to limit your director to only be able to do what you wrote. So that's unusual, but obviously they need to do that for this, for the planning. Um, so it was pretty much two episodes as they completely shut down, re- or shut down cast, crew, everything for two weeks of rehearsal. So yeah, it pretty much took up an entire episode slot. Um, the, they were met, they put in completely huge, massive rain, uh, like effects in the window, like lightning, water hitting it, all that. Uh, so, and also there were hundreds of lighting cues. So if actors missed their mark, even the six year old actors, they had to start from the beginning once again. Uh, yep. Literally just getting in the right shadow or the right blue light could completely mess up. Dude, imagine the old guys being super annoyed with the young kids messing up. Well, I heard that they, I mean, this is, why would you say that you were assholes to them? But I heard everyone was really nice to each other. But I bet they were, because why would you be assholes anyway? Mm-hmm. Um, during, well, a lot of probably, whatever. <laughs> um, I just mean like it's been a long day and they mess yeah. up over and over. Yeah, but these kids did good, I, I saw. So, uh, during any given moment, there are around 20 or like 30 people during shots three and four behind the camera running around so like they'd be doing the shot where everyone's talking in a circle and behind you'd have like nell the actress getting out they put in like a the body double for her or like the either a body double or like a you know fake like version of her so then she can stand next to the casket and then like they turn to that and then behind them they'd have like 10 crew members come up from these little hiding spots to like grab these wires so they could pull the casket and then you know shoot the lightning and like all that so just the stress for the actors was bad enough every crew member had as much stress as an actor did um 
they said he said that the third and fourth shots were the hardest. The third because of the height differences, so they couldn't use a traditional dolly because you know you had these little short kids, then you have the tall adults. So they had to create a special dolly, which after lunch on the th on the day broke. One of a kind dolly that they had on. They didn't have another one. They got it to work again, but the gear was like stuck and it was like a whole mess. And they had, it was like lunch. So these like poor crew guys had to like, yeah. instead of eating lunch, had to like work on this. So there's that. And then segment four had the most like swaps of windows and actors. Mm. And that's that. So shot one was 14 minutes and 19 seconds. Shot two was seven minutes and 25 seconds. Shot three was 17 minutes and 19 seconds. Shot four was six minutes and 13 seconds. And shot five was five minutes and 31 seconds. That's actually so crazy, though, that he was able to do that. That, I mean, man, everyone there was just... That's actually, it's in, that's incredible. And that's that's from the planning of the writing all the way to the people that had to make these special gears for the dollies, to the actors, to the crew. I mean, mm -hmm. it's stunning. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. And a lot of respect to them. So... With that being said, um, this is the first episode since episode one to not be dedicated to a specific character. This is what I would call probably the second act of kind of the, like the story, like the, the crescendo of the second act. So they, you know, everyone finally meets, everyone comes ahead, their thoughts, their ways of dealing with trauma, just the plot, everything comes to a head. So we're at Nell's funeral this time. Um, so the only people that don't actually like greet in like happiness even Shirley greets Luke with a hug. Theo and Steve do not. Mm -hmm. Which, I mean, does that... It, we learn why Theo's so weird throughout this episode later, but... Um, yeah, kind of a, a bitch move. He gave oh, her yeah. money and she's, like, mad about it. I remember we were complaining about that when we watched it. Yeah, it's like, really? Really? So Theo, of course, has been drinking this whole time. Shirley has been, like, is, like, obsessed with, like, the makeup when the thing falls and just making sure everything's good there. Steve is this whole time trying to rationalize anything weird that's happening. And then Luke is kind of cold and shocked and just out of it. Well, that's presumably what drugs do to you. I mean, just walk down Chicago, you'll see. And then, so yeah, so at the funeral, they all have their, their ways of dealing and it all comes back, so. The five stages of grief here. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. I didn't write that down actually. So, uh, I wonder if that's a coincidence. Oh no, they definitely. There's so many theories about that as well that they were de they represented the five stages of grief even when they were children. Yeah, because they deal with like they're consistent. They're consistent with the way they all deal with the yeah. trauma from episode one when they find out Nell died. Right. Nell's funeral. I can, I, if I can find that, I can tell you. Because I, I, yeah, I tried. Denial to... is Stephen. Anger is Shirley. Bargaining is the. Wait, 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 wait. Slow it down. So, Steven's denial. I heard yeah. that. Yep. Anger is Shirley. Bargaining yes. is Theo. Depression mm -hmm. is Luke. Yeah. Acceptance is Nellie. Yep. And then... I mean, but Nellie's not perfect, as we'll find out. Yeah. With how... Yeah. Okay, so... Then they finally see their dad. It's obviously a bit awkward, because I presume none of them have seen them since they were each 18. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm guessing they moved out, and they hadn't seen them since. Because he's in Florida... Well, no, they went to go stay with their aunt, remember? After the whole Hill House thing happened. Yeah, yeah, but... Oh, so the dad wasn't there? No. Oh. You see, I didn't, I didn't... I missed that. So, yeah, they haven't seen him in a long time, so it's a bit awkward. And then, 
to show where the dad is. What does he see? He doesn't see Nell as old as how she is. He sees her as a girl because mm-hmm. he's still stuck. Yeah, I literally have that written. I said uh, the, this episode shows the father seeing his kids as children and adults because he hasn't luck over Hill House and moved on. He also is in shock of how grown up they are now. And it's definitely in part because the last time he really saw them was the fateful night. So, like, mm-hmm. he's stuck in that. He never really moved on. He isolated himself and he never let himself go. Uh, we also see, like, that with the mom, which is almost a self-reflection. But we'll get to that in his episode, uh, which is actually next episode. Um, so then we go to the past, of course, which is really cool when you walk down the hallway. Like I said, they built the sets together, so they just walk through the hallway. And then we see the storm is exactly like the one in present time. A bit worse. And I guess it's hailing. Uh, but we see how everyone's interacting. Um, they're actually like... It looks like a family, like a regular. And then Nell disappears. And then, you know, uh, I said here, mixed with the bent light neck lady, it makes me believe that she exists or can exist outside of time itself. Uh, and then, so they're trying to find her, and then we cut back to the present. All right, can I say something really quickly? Mm-hmm. So in this episode, though, the, if you notice, the camera moves a lot in a circular motion. Mm-hmm. And I, I read that the reason that it does that is to show that they're all stuck in a sort of a loop yeah and partly because they probably needed to yeah, get people no, behind true. there like it, it helped and yeah, yeah. made that as well yeah because there's probably i mean i wonder how many things are coincidences with movie they're like mm-hmm. oh i think that will work to help with like this. exactly like that like with books too like when our yeah. teachers make them us read them yeah yeah um so then we go back to the present we see everyone's like painting now in like a really positive <laughs> all right sorry for the weird cut Technical difficulties. Okay, so I said, when coming to the present, we see that everyone's painting now in a positive light, which is really weird, since the last time they all spoke, they were mad at her. Mm-hmm. So that could be kind of a t- commenting on like how people may paint people after they're dead. Because we do see with like celebrities, a lot of the time, you'll have some pretty bad or hated people that once they're dead are not so bad, it seems. Oh, yeah. So... Maybe that's that. I don't know. I just thought that was a little weird. A lot of the times, though, the people who aren't hated, you find dirt on them once they're dead. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, they all start fighting. And then all the problems start to come out. And this is kind of where it should be, like, the midpoint um, of, a, of a movie. You know, they all every idea collides. So. I had this episode down as the turning point of the show. Mm-hmm. And then, this is something important... We uh, Luke is just like sitting at the coffin, and it already—I think it already fell at this point. Um, that's kind of unimportant. So yeah, like oh no 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 okay so the, the it falls, uh, the the coffin falls, lights turn off, and now Luke is sitting there with his dad, and Luke is just at the coffin, and I think uh, that this is very important because it gives him that motivation to make that dumb choice mm-hmm. to go. Actually, it's not that dumb. It turns out well for them, but uh, to go back to. Hill House. So uh, when I was when I was like reading up on this before I watched it again, I was like, no way they did that much in these next three episodes because it felt like it was yeah. by so fast. Mm-hmm. And then we see Theo and uh, Shirley's husband getting in the closet. Nice. Again, we find out why later, but but that doesn't explain the husband. 
Yeah. Yeah. Theo has a reason. Unless, unless she's the one who did it to him. Like he was just like, like, oh, like I'll make sure you don't like, because it was, it was yeah. completely. Well, yeah, because we don't know if he was, yeah, like, like pushing her back or, it was, ambiguous. Uh, and then, my one of my favorite lines in this whole series is nobody could see me because it has so many different meanings when Nell says it. Because when she says it, the monologue that she has at the end is referring to when she like was gone, mm-hmm. like disappeared. But it's really talking about how, like, why she died. Mm-hmm. Nobody could see her. No one's paying attention. Love that shit, bro. Love that. <laughs> so, uh, eight goes this episode. Surprise, actually. I mean, it makes sense why there's not as many because I couldn't actually like logistically do it. I was expecting to see more in the shadows of when the lights turned off. Actually, zero when the lights turned off. So, but um, yeah, I love that final line. So, any any other thoughts on that? No. That's easily the best episode, probably. Oh, yeah. Definitely technically the best episode. Episode 8, I don't have much on it. It's pretty much just jam-packed with action. Mm-hmm. So now we move to episode 7, Eulogy. This is the dad's episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so Eulogy is kind of a weird thing, you'd think. Uh, but I'm, I'm pretty sure, I was trying to think about it, like, I think since the dad's kind of at the end of his life as it is, but we already, we do know that he ends up ending it anyway mm-hmm. earlier, but then maybe he would have died. So it could be referring to that, like him just trying to uh, end up on good terms before he goes. Yeah, I think this uh, this episode also did a good job of showing how like lost the dad is, and he doesn't want to be alone, but that's why he, like in his mind, makes that his wife is there. Mm-hmm. So he's he's not alone. Because he does isolate him. himself, yeah. but he like doesn't want to think he does, mm-hmm. uh, which is, you know, loneliness. It's something everyone goes through. So eulogy... That's what that's all about. So uh, we have the opening interrogation, which kind of just gives us more context of what happened that night, but also gives us more questions, which is really good because questions are good. Uh, If you're wondering, you know, why like hereditary podcasts went on much longer than like two movie podcasts with like Friday the 13th is because the movie asks questions. Oh, that's what we like. The creators of um, hereditary made a movie called Midsummer. Yeah, Midsummer or whatever. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, it was whack. It was almost as yeah. whack. As, it, no, it's an A24, was, right? That was so much more whack. That was wackier than uh, Hereditary. Hereditary. He, yeah. that, that, those people do whack stuff. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm pretty sure it's A24. I don't even remember. It was it was, it was was a good movie, though. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Uh, we I, should do that one one day, for sure. For sure, yeah. Um, but I think we're going to be burned out of horror by the end of this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so... Um, and also the interrogation, we find out actually what happened in that time. Very interesting little what happened there. Very, very interesting. So uh, then we see from the dad's perspective how Shirley is dealing with everything. And it's key to note it is from the dad's perspective. It's not just matter of fact Shirley is, you know, being an a-hole. I mean, it is. It, it, it's telling us exactly what's happening. But it's just important that we're inside the dad's head. Mm-hmm. And something this showed us so well is that each you know each episode has or each character has their episode and there's seven characters yet we don't feel disconnected from any they all feel like complex characters and you're inside their heads every episode mm-hmm. that it's theirs uh, i also think that this up ep- in this episode the dad throughout this entire episode is in the past and the present trying to fix things and in mm-hmm. both the past and the present he's not able to fix it yeah uh so then this is where we get the first appearance of fake live the mom and uh, we also then see the basement leak, which I thought was 
not too much con i mean what you're fixing thing makes mm-hmm. total sense but it also just like it show it gives us the perspective of why he was kind of the way he was because look at how much stress he has like mm-hmm. the house is like falling apart so uh this is what i'm talking about at the beginning when i said that the, they may seem like bad guys in each other's worlds but when you go inside theirs it's like yeah if i was a dad how the hell would i deal with like mm-hmm. uh five kids my wife kind of going crazy and this house that's about to come down that mm-hmm. we're depending on to live it's like it makes a lot more sense so there's that and then we see how theo is taking the cheating again you know she's like drinking and she has a lot of regret and the dad just just trying to find a way to do it but like he just can't really he can't fix it so he even and then again he, he's with everybody but he's like isolating himself he's always away from them unless like well he sometimes goes to them but he just always feels distant even when he's like right there um and that's where i said live is 100 percent supposed to be like his guilt manifesting mm-hmm. it's something because he didn't know how to deal with it he isolates himself that guilt has to go somewhere it's both a person to comfort him but it's also his inner thoughts being like you do know you're doing something wrong so we see that and then we see with like steve and he just you know uh, he, he doesn't he's not he's not too good with the kids um so then they all give their speeches to know and this is where we just see that man luke's speech good speech uh he definitely man i remember we were what? No. Okay, so then, uh, yeah, so I remember we were like, dang, Luke's speech is the best. Oh, yeah. So, um, so then we get more information on the caretakers. This is where uh, the, the, de- uh, like the uh, guy gives um, like the backstory about this stillborn child. And I said, this is like a good example of not incredible looking cinematography, but good storytelling version of it. Now this happens a lot, but uh, in this, this is the example I chose to tell you guys. So um, like as the dialogue goes on, it starts normal, you know, he talks, the camera's on him. Sometimes we'll get reactions uh, of the other character when the information's important, when they talk, you get the reaction back and forth. But as like the story gets more personal, it stays more on him. And then, you know, like every, minute we get like one flip to him or two and then we get next minute we get only one and then we finally stop getting looks of uh hue and it's only zoom and then it zooms in you know just we're zooming in actually but we're also like getting closer to the character mm-hmm. just very very well done was this the wall, guy in the wall episode mm-hmm. yeah so then Hugh attempts to establish a connection with shirley fails uh and then we go back to see the screwdriver where his wife had the screwdriver to his neck. Again, uh, right now we're like, yeah, she's crazy. What else is there? We'll find out. There is more to it, of course. Um, and then uh, we see dad. And then we see that the dad is good with Luke. And Luke has been seen to be pretty much good with everybody. Even Shirley this episode or last episode, they got a hug. So why is Luke so tortured then if he's good with everybody? And that's where I think luke is his own worst demon mm-hmm. the, the the minute he tried he started like with drugs and tried to deal with it that way he became his own worst self uh or own worst enemy and then um luke leaves he dips he for a reason but he dips 
And then we see that the house is broken. I talked about that earlier, mm. what the house being broken represents for uh, Shirley. Then we get the red room cliffhanger where he like runs in the red room and then it cuts. And this episode has eight ghosts. So, uh, so wait, can I say something about uh, the man in the wall? No. <laughs> Shut up. All right. So something that I thought was interesting was like the dad finds the man in the wall, right? And he... His entire family builds walls around him and leaves him out. Yeah. And he's singled out from all of them. He, they all build up walls. They don't do anything without him. Yeah. With, with him with involved, him. and yeah. he's all alone. And he's probably he'd probably be the man in the wall because yeah. he eventually dies. He'd probably eventually die alone. Yeah. That's why now he's trying to build the relationships back up with them. Yeah. Had like, had Nell not died and had the Hill House kind of not bring them back together, he probably would they probably would have gotten a call one afternoon all of them saying your father's passed away Mm -hmm. and he wouldn't have said anything to them for the like years and years so yeah that's a good observation next up episode eight witness marks this is steve's partial episode um i'd say it's definitely supposed to be steve's witness mark Mm -hmm. because each title refers to the character um and witness marks refers to steve kind of getting his arc pushed over the edge uh when he, you know, witness marks is the clock, and we find yeah. out. Yeah, we'll get to it. So, uh, we start up. We start with the setup of the pregnancy again. Whoever's episode it is, that they this first scene is usually about them, and it's usually like a weird time period. It's either like the past, like it's just random. So that's why I do think this is definitely Steve's episode, just a bit more of like other people sprinkled sprinkled in compared to other episodes. Um, so when they're talking about the pregnancy, he sees a girl outside of his window, or outside the window. Why? Because it's his inner demon, so he mm-hmm. sees a ghost. Um, and then we cut to the present time where they're looking for Luke, and we see how, like, the dad and, like, Steve differ, but they're also, like, really alike. Yeah. One thing I notice is that the dad's arc, while they're in the house, is going from non-believer to believer, and mm-hmm. then as the, in the future, when they're going back to the house, Steve goes from believer to non-believer. Uh, from non-believer to believer, yeah. So, and yeah, just, like, like that whole thing and then also with the wife and mm-hmm. and all then of that. owning the house in the end as well yeah and then also uh, you know uh the dad is like for once actually like trying to give him advice mm-hmm. with theo he didn't know what to say with shirley you know lives in the back like don't say it but with steve he just says what needs to be said and look what happens everything mm-hmm. turns out well so it's just a step in him figuring out, you know, what he needs to do. And obviously, Steve is probably his favorite kid. <laughs> I think he's the oldest, so that yeah. may be why. But I definitely oldest know. Kids. I definitely know that Karen is not his favorite. Oh kid. my God! If I had Karen as a kid, I'd give her up for adoption. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And then uh, we go back to see Steve helping his dad. A lot of Steve's episode here is his connection with his dad because mm-hmm. Steve also builds up walls. They all do. And his are kind of through the books and not believing. So it's, he needs someone to latch on to and the dad needs someone to latch on to. So that one event, like I said earlier, works in two ways, always a good thing. So it's good to have that connection established. Uh, we also get a glimpse of the clock inspect- inspector who I counted as a ghost because we do find oh, out yeah. he is a ghost. Um, and then, you know, we this happens later, but I think it just works better to say it now. So then we find we later find out that that clock inspector was there, and 
Hugh gives like evidence that can't be Trump. Like there's no way to be like, no, it's not true. No, I mean, they they would not have that man there. It just mm-hmm. isn't. That's not how that would work. And so, Steve finally has to realize that, you know, I've seen these things. I've been denying them. Other people have seen these things. I've been denying them, and it just has to be real. My dad's telling me this. He doesn't open up to anybody. He opens. He's opening up to me. It has to be true. And of course, that's then reaffirmed in the Red Room in episode ten. But we'll get to that. Um, so then, uh, and it also is a big step in the dad's arc. So they mm-hmm. both take a big step with that one event. And then we get some more of the house backstory with the table. And then this time we see another event with the mom where she punches the uh, dresser, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and yeah, it just is, again, establishing that there's something up with the mom. And then um, there, then we see the subplot with Theo and Shirley. And of course, when they're trying to reconnect and deal out with the, like the kinks, there's ghosts. Mm-hmm. Again, once again, ghosts come when the inner ghosts are coming out. Was so. this, was this uh, L's jump scare? Uh, Nelly's jump scare? We're getting to that. Okay. So then we also, this happens in the same, or, so then we find out about Steve's vasectomy. It's like the second twist of this episode. That happens at the same time we learn about the clock inspector, but I said I mentioned that earlier. So, and then we figure out where uh, Luke has been, or they figure out where Luke has been, so it leads them to the house. And then we get the best jump literally, scare that's ever. That's what is in my notes too. That's literally the, probably the best jump scare I've ever seen. When you look up Theo and Shirley, I forget uh, what I was looking up, but the, f- the second thing that comes up is Theo and Shirley car jump scare. It's literally the best it's jump so scare ever. Out of, yeah, and it's so good. And then um, when is it happening? During an argument about mm-hmm. their inner demons. Uh, so then we find out why Theo did what she did. She needed to feel something, and the only thing she could feel was pain and guilt. So she did what she did with her husband. And then Shirley doesn't instantly, you know, this makes sense. She doesn't instantly, it's like, okay, cool. Um, but she accepts her back, so that's nice. And then Luke tries to burn the house, but snatched by Poppy. And there's only five ghosts in this episode. The, obviously, you have the three obvious ones, the mom on the staircase, Poppy, and the ghost mm-hmm. in the back of the car, but uh, and then the painter, and mm-hmm. then there's one like hidden ghost. Actually, this one doesn't have any like hidden ghost in the background, since they're in cars really? a lot. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, so it kind of surprised me. And then, because I like, looked it up, yeah, and I couldn't find anything that said that there was any secret ghost in episode eight. And same in episode six. There wasn't any secret ghost, but there were a lot of obvious ghosts that time. Now, episode nine, you don't have any wrap-up thoughts on that? No, not that. Episode nine, Screaming Mimis, this is the mom's episode. So this is the final character episode. Um, This is the one kind of, I think, I think it's probably the coolest character episode. Um, I like Luke's a lot, but this one, like, the way it recontextualizes every single episode is so cool. And also, I love the de-evolution. Like, taxi driver type thing, you know? You don't see her get better. Mm -hmm. You see her get worse. And... You're seeing six other characters get better. You, mm-hmm. It's cool to see that one. They get. Yeah. I mean, she does get better at episode 10, but it's cool to have that one episode where it goes wrong uh-huh. completely. So we open with the mom, and this is also where I know for sure that the house feeds off your fears because we open with the mom saying she'd love to freeze the, as a joke, freeze yeah. the kids and keep them where they are. It's a sweet comment at when she says it then, 
but mm-hmm. it's completely changed by the time yeah, the, I the have, episode I have ends. that written down as well. So the house is going to feed off that thought. And then, um, the, oh, by the way, this is the only episode that takes place completely in the past. Um, or only in one timeline, actually, because even there's no episode that takes place completely in the future. Mm-hmm. So uh, then we, we talk to the caretaker. Uh, she talks about how she could control her environment with, like, the crying. So she seems to have, like, pretty, like, actually powers almost. Uh, and then we go and she sees the dead vision of Luke and Nell, which leads her to fear uh, what's going to come. And then that's when this kind of, this turns bad because she meets Poppy, who mm-hmm. make she, like, plants that seed that's like going to sprout like that that just kind of stress and like uneasiness turns into straight up fear that she can Mm -hmm. feed on completely and then uh the housekeeper just tells her like hey something's bad is gonna happen like you gotta get out of here Mm -hmm. so she tries to but the stress is now completely turned into fear and she goes to the motel and it's notably the same one as nell maybe not the well they actually go to that motel if it's the same one three times I, I think it is um with the mom there they go after the fateful night and then that's where Nell is before she dies so and then um she's there and the final straw is broken i don't there's not like a specific event that we see that does this but she's back in the house and she pours rat cleaner she says she's trying to r- wake the kids and then we see for the first time the red room mm-hmm. what's inside now it's not what's in, it's it's what's inside her red room it's not the red room the red room is yeah. nothing and everything at the same time but um then abigail is the only one who drinks it and then we also now we learn that abigail was real she's mm-hmm. actually a real person wasn't a ghost and i don't remember i don't think we had any like strong thought on that we we didn't think she was real because yeah. she just seemed so suspicious yeah we didn't we thought she was a ghost yeah yeah, yeah. and then the dad runs in and knocks her out and that's when we learn what happened at the end of episode seven when he walks in the door which mm-hmm. that's what i'm talking about like the best moment and then uh we see so then you know she's like running through and then we see the fateful night from her perspective and by the way i didn't mention all the times i didn't go into like super small detail but if i mentioned anything about the mom before in any other episode it probably comes up again in this episode mm-hmm. but from her perspective so like in the mirror she saw dead luke and nell just like standing there so she punches the mirror and um i'm trying to think of some other examples that the screwdriver she like wasn't like awake yeah and she like, only wakes up when he wakes up so stuff like that and then they all run away and then we get like a really depressing thing is we see the first day and like the hope that everyone has when yeah. they walk in compared to we just saw the final night mm-hmm. where it's completely different and this one 19 ghosts that's isn't that the most so far most so far the attempt has a lot yeah so yeah not like a huge episode for sure a um, good one but a really good one really cool one uh, I just pretty much have written down for this episode that, like, of course, if you're seeing your dead kids, you're, you're going to be driven crazy. And it just shows how much control this house can have over people and how they can be manipulated by the smallest little thoughts as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, and then we move into the last episode with this one. I also have a lot, but I'll try to do it quick. Uh, Silence lay subtly. That's what he says at the end. It's like mm-hmm. a poem. Um, so 
this is like act three of like the big episode. So episode one, act one, episode six, act two, episode three. Are... Wait, do you have another page besides that one? Yeah, but it's like quick wrap up. So. Um, so we start by getting the doorknob. I mentioned this episode one and episode, episode one and episode four, I think. Um, so we see the doorknob turning from both perspective. Uh, we see Nell and Shirley turning it from the outside and we see Theo on the inside dancing. Um, so that's a really cool way to open it. It's inst- it instantly is like, you're gonna get to see something, you're gonna yeah. understand it all now. So we see Steve's vision right away. We see um, like, he's like, Luke is dead, everything's good, his wife is pregnant. And by the way, you can have a reverse vasectomy. Yeah. Now it doesn't mean you can conceive necessarily, but that depends on how long it's been. Um, and let's just say he's able to, just because we want to be happy. So, but this doesn't matter because it's not real. And we did think it was real for a second. Yeah, we yeah they made it they made it very blue. They did a really good job with this. And one. we just wanted Luke to be alive so bad. And when they're like, you have to get over Luke. We're like, no, you <laughs> didn't. <laughs> and then, um, then Steve and like voiceover talks about. Uh, like what fear can do uh, and then the dream version of his wife like tells him he's a parasite which is kind of his fear that he's been like leeching off this mm-hmm. thing that he doesn't believe and so yeah so this is showing that the red room entices you with what you want but then eats off your fear can't hide the fact that it's eating off your fear so since it is it wakes him up and then yeah it turns out that was all a dream he you know, he's, he's now in the red room. He's locked in there. And then we figure out what happened with Luke. Uh, we see his dream, which, again, is an ideal world where she didn't, the girl didn't leave. They ended up in a motel. But then things turn south when she uh, injects him with the, well, in there it's whatever, heroin, whatever. And then, but in reality, it's the rat uh, killer. Mm-hmm. So, and it also here, we it's like a callback. We get a callback to... The man with the eyes, she like hit her mm-hmm. eyes start bleeding, or, or like coming out, and that's what. When I was thinking like that scene was kind of useless, when I was thinking like what uh, scenes were useful, and like I wanted to make sure when I said that every scene here scene here was useful, I'm like that one isn't too useful. I really can't say that. And then this scene happened. I'm like, well, there we go. It comes back up. Uh, so, and this again uh, asked the question. So. Did some ghost do that to him, or did the house make him do it? Uh, I don't know. But either way, he wouldn't have done it without the house, so the house has to have some yeah. sort of power. Um, and then uh, Shirley and Theo walk in, and then we finally figure out what happened with Shirley. She cheated on. Can I pick it up? Again? No, it's okay. <laughs> she cheated on her her husband mm-hmm. with a man. And what's cool about this, and I like, is we go in. On Shirley's perspective so at the end of the night she says no to him but that's her dream situation and then mm-hmm. he comes back and is like that isn't what happened is it and then she says no and she has to say out loud she has to think back on herself and say to herself what I did was wrong I shouldn't have, I should have said no but if I'm honest with him I'm gonna get it to a better place and that's really what these red room dreams are trying to get these people to think they're they're to reflect and i'll talk about more at the end because i have a thing written down so i have my thoughts better you know better set out do anything i'm just um 
No, I'm, I'm, I'm good right now. Okay. So then we see Theo's ideal life. Uh, she has a, you know, she's in a real relationship. Uh, and then, of course, right as, you know, everything in her dream as being happy, the hands start to grab her and she wakes up. And now they're all in the red room. But and then Luke has the second dream where he's offered a, the dream world where he's with, he's young, it's before any of his mistakes. He's with his mom, who he's like has never, she barely remembers, and probably is trying to hold on for final thoughts. With Nell, who he never got to say goodbye to. With Abigail, this you know girl that he like like I don't wouldn't say like a girl of his dreams, but like kind of just like almost a mystical figure for him. It's it's like I th- how I look at it is like. That's that's probably one of the biggest what if moments of his life, right there. Yeah. Had, what if he drank? Well, what, what if she didn't drink? What if they ended up oh, together? Like that type of thing. Oh, maybe. I really think that that's like the final test for him because um, all their dreams were kind of making them reflect, except for Luke's, where he kind of has reflected. So, how do you test Luke at this point? Is probably what the writers were thinking, and how they do it is this is like the final drug. Will he take it? You know, will it, will he uh, fall back into this place? Because at this point, it's hard to get him in a situation with drugs when you're in a haunted house. So they do it in this really creative, cool way. Where does he take the life with his mom, Abigail, and his sister? These people he'll never see again, or does he go back to a world where he isn't as you know in an I like ideal, or he, yeah, he isn't in the best place, but it's reality. So, and then. Now brings them all together, and then we realize only by forgiving each other and dealing with what happened, they could get through this. You know, they can't just tuck it away as they've been doing, as we've been seeing. And now, um, after they finally have confronted themselves with the red room dreams, and have been forgiven by Nell, and they forgive Nell, and everyone's together for finally after all these years and happiness they finally, the door opens. They can mm-hmm. finally get out. Well, the dad opens the door, but the door is unlocked. And then the mom and dad have their reflection moment where uh, the dad realizes that what he did was wrong, where he should have been with the kids, with his wife. For, he, should have been, he should have been there for his kids and for his wife. And the mom also realizes that she has to let the kids go. Mm-hmm. That's part of life is letting your kids grow up and become where you are and have their own kids and all that. So then she completes her arc, and then when all is said and done, they get in the car and leave, And but there's still some things to learn. One, we learn that Abigail was the daughter of the caretakers. And so then we learn that. We also get the Red Room reveal about all the windows and like the all the all like their ideal places being the Red Room. You have Treehouse for uh, uh, Luke. What does Nell have? No. What was Does Nell have one? I don't even remember. I did. I might have written it down. Well, I know. Okay, I'll say it. Steve has the gaming room. Um, mm-hmm. The mom has the study library, whatever you want to call it. Um, nobody calls it study. We're not in Clue. Uh, I'm to look it up really quickly while you talk about okay. the other people's. Yeah. Um, Theo has the dance studio. Like I said, Luke has the tree house. The dad, he definitely doesn't have one. Um, There's a theory about that and why he doesn't either. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think we'd ever see 
Oh, she is a toy room. Toy room. That's what I thought. I thought she had like a playroom. Yeah, that's hers right there. Yeah, yeah. Does uh, does Shirley have one? I can't remember Shirley's. Shirley's was just like a normal room. That was hers right there. Oh right, yeah. Because they're unmemorable. That's why mm-hmm. the treehouse was the coolest one. Because she doesn't want treehouse. Oh yeah. Because also doesn't the mom mention like they say treehouse and she's like hmm. Yeah, like, in the she, first episode. Mm-hmm. First episode. Foreshadowing. That's the, I, that's why I put in the first episode red room. And I I remember when we were watching, we thought it was a bit underwhelming, but yeah. this may I get chills every time that I like think about the end with like the dad because it's just like I don't know it was really like really good so like the dad reunites and he finally is like at peace with the kids he goes with his wife and uh, uh his daughter and then yeah so then their arcs are completed through forgiveness being together self-reflection steve finally opens up to his wife and lets down his walls they all do i could say that for all of them shirley tells her husband the truth luke is two years clean theo has a real relationship ditch the gloves the caretakers go to the house to be together. Notably, it has the same opening and closing shots. Episode one opens with the house. Episode two closes with the house. Differences though, you know, the, ho- the shots are completely different because one is horror and dread. What's going to come next? The next is happiness, joy. You know, the lights are on in there. That means that you know everyone's happy. You have uh, part of the family is all together. You have the caretaker and their family. Uh, and we do know that a lot of these ghosts aren't bad. Like mm-hmm. when in episode nine, when the mom is running, the grandma is actually like nice on the bed. Looks weird. Looks well, dead, but also for example, in the end, one of the I, I think it was the woman, the housekeeper. The husband takes her there to die yeah. there. So that, yeah, yeah. So it's like you know all ghosts there yeah. aren't bad. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like the caretaker's family there, and then uh, I just have you know I have some. Oh, yeah, and then I just have... So, and then the characters aren't stupid. They're real and complex. This one had 29 ghosts because the final shot, I think, had around 18, maybe 19, 20, I don't know. And that means the grand total of ghosts around approximately 120 ghosts in Haunting of Hill House. And 10 hours of television, 120 ghosts. That's a lot. Uh, I also want to say a couple things about episode 10. In episode 10, we also find out the house is sentient, not just haunted. Mm-hmm. Like, it draws yeah. people in. Um, and then, yeah, the red room is where it eats its victims, pretty much. Yep. Stomach? Yeah. Um, yeah, and the real, then the dream sequences, you don't know what's real and what's not. Uh, and then I have what the I, I wrote down what the original ending of Haunting of Hill House was. Oh, I have to talk about this. I can do actually. You, do you want to talk about it? Okay, you quickly just say quickly, and then we'll talk about this. So the original ending for Haunting of Hill House was that when they're celebrating Luke's sobriety, uh, his two-year sobriety, that there's the back in the background there would have been the uh, red room's window, meaning like, did they ever get out of there? Yeah. But like a couple nights before they were actually supposed to do that. The uh, what is his name again? Flanagan. Yeah, Flanagan felt woke up and felt guilty about it and decided not to do it. Now, that could be true, but if you look at the frame, now yeah, it's not the same. It's window. not a window, but it. There's two things that why people think that this may be the red room. So the frame has uh, it's Luke in the middle, and then on the left is uh, Shirley's husband. Steve's wife, Steve, on the right is Shirley, 
uh, Theo's girlfriend and Theo. Then you have a red, red cake with number two. In the back is a long or rectangular long uh, painting, not window. People think it still may be, and at least it's up to interpretation because the window and the red room always has to have something red in it. And it wouldn't if they didn't have that red cake. Uh-huh. You don't have to have a red cake. I haven't, you know, you don't so, see red cakes often. This brings me to things you didn't notice. I'll do the fan theories after this. But I just want to say, though, um, so the, here, the, here's the thing. In the original ending, had they done it, there's, I don't, there's part of me that thinks that that would have been okay because then it's up to interpretation. The question becomes, are you, do you think that it's better that they're all together dead but together? Or do you think it's better that they're in reality a lot of them are together, but, you know, some are dead. And like, that would be the interpretation instead of it being, are they in the red room or are they not? See, the thing for the cake, though, is what I was wondering is, like, they could have just, it could have just been a thing where, like, that, since originally it was going to be in the red room, they already had the red cake, so it's yeah, like, they yeah. just left it there anyways. Maybe. But, uh... It's act- up to interpretation. I think that even if they're in the red room and they're all, they're all dead, it doesn't matter because they're together. But they can't be in the red room because these people wouldn't be dead. Some of them, like mm-hmm. Theo's girlfriend, the spouses weren't there. Jack, that gives me a good th- segue to things you didn't notice about Haunting of Hill House. They're not girlfriends anymore. They're married. Look at their fingers. Oh, you're right. And then, um... Do so, they, but did, they don't see your ring. It might just be hard to see because they're clapping, but... Um, or they don't have a ring. So then there's all those hidden ghosts throughout the show as well. Uh, and then there's, on the stairs, uh, on what, like where Nell and the mom kill themselves, there's there's usually a noose there, and then the mom tells, like, don't keep that there, someone will get hurt. Yeah. And then later yeah. on... Well, they do. <laughs> uh, and then the twin thing, uh, Nell knows Luke is doing good in rehab because after a couple of days, her, like, cold goes away, and when you're getting all the drugs out of your system, you're usually sick. Yeah. Um, being sick is actually helping your body. Mm-hmm. Biology facts. And then one of Luke's drawings of a woman with, with dead eyes and her mouth open is actually now, and I mm-hmm. have a picture to show you. Uh, where is it? Hmm. Fat now though. Yeah. <laughs> Chunky now. Uh, and then when it's uh, when the pizzas na- are here. When now you want to go get them? I can. I can do this if you want. Yeah, sure. John will keep you entertained. And then I'll tell you these ones after by yourself. Alright. Uh, and then also, when Nell returns to the house, the lights flicker twice, uh, which was how they always said, uh, which was how the mother always said, come home when the lights flicker twice. And then um, there's a statue in the show that like you see just looking forward. It doesn't move. But then when the mom passes, its head is following the mom. Uh, and then there's an E.T. lunchbox, and young adult Hugh was actually an actor in E.T. Mike Flanagan directed a movie called Oculus. Uh, I've seen it. I don't know if Jack has. But the mirror from Oculus is actually in the Hill House. Um, the counting to seven that always makes L and Nell and Luke feel safe is also the number of family members, but also it's the... Steps between Luke and Nell's bed. Wow. Uh, and then, yeah, Theo got married. And then the therapist played Luke in the movie of the based on the haunting of uh, the Hill House books. 
And then, so some fan theories now, Jack. Alright. Alright, number one, we already went over that one. Um, and then, we already went over this one as well, the time loop. And then, uh, number three, the three sisters represent past, present, and future. Theo has the powers that allow her to see past emotion and trauma. Surely it was a kid obsessed with living in the present, hence why she, in one of her, in her episode, is always taking those pictures. And then Nell was always being haunted by her future self. Yeah. Who knows if that's intentional. I, mm-hmm. Is that a theory? Because that's kind of just like something to point out. Yeah, I know. That could easily fit in with anything. It's, it's, it's like the Harry Potter theory that death is Dumbledore and like... Uh, yeah. It, it's kind of... It well, uh, that's more of a theory because this is... That's could... I don't know. I don't... In my mind, those just aren't like... Mm-hmm. I get what you mean. It's similar for sure, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, Hugh can't enter the Red Room because the family all has little psychic abilities from the mom. And, and he Hugh can't go in there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then... That's possible. This one is, isn't really necessarily a theory. Blue represents the crane's freedom and psychic sensitivity because many of their belongings are blue. And the contrast is the Red Room, which tries to confine them, taking away their freedom. I see a lot of white, though, too. <laughs> a lot of green, too, actually. Blue. Actually, I see them have a lot of red things as well. Well, the first thing we see um, Steven in is blue. With a black phone. Shut up, Jack. Come on. And a gray shirt. along with the theory. Okay, so you're yeah. rating for this, the haunting of Hill House. Oh, 10 out of 100 out of 100. Yeah, 100 out of 100. It's like, the, one of the best series ever. Definitely one of the... It, probably the best... Yeah, is the best thing Netflix has done. One of the most creative, innovative... Mm-hmm. Incredible, yeah. See, part of me was scared to give it a hundred out of a hundred because it's like, uh, I don't want to give it like the best, best. Like, I it's the probably is the best, but like, what if there's one th- something later on that I'm like, this is so ten times better than Haunting of Hill House or something like that. Well, nothing's gonna be ten times better than Haunting of Hill House, so you don't have to worry. Okay. Luckily. Okay. okay. <laughs> but uh, wow, that was a long one. Oh yeah, definitely a long one. For but sure. uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the new style um we're uh next week obviously we're going to go back to two movies we just thought that for spooky season you know each we were going to we did an each theme or each week had a theme so we did classic horror uh last week we did modern horror classic or no we did we did classic horror mm. two weeks ago modern horror classic last week series this week next week we're going to be doing an animated so we we yeah series we just that, that's why we did this a little bit long but as you can tell we like haunting Bill house a lot so mm-hmm. a lot a lot to dissect there too a lot to talk about and yeah any anything to add no that's really it all right thank you guys for listening watching whatever we have tiktok we have twitter instagram you can check us out anywhere uh that you listen to podcast obviously we're on youtube we're watching through there um Don't forget to like, subscribe, and uh, yeah, bye. Bye.